Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey there, and welcome back. Okay, this week we are taking a question from Ask the Q Coach. And just a reminder, you can submit your questions anonymously if you'd like. And um, I will either answer them on the podcast or in a reel on the Facebook page or even in a newsletter. I've done all of the things. And so this one I'm going, this person is asked to stay anonymous, which I love. And I'm just going to read her question. And um, because I think it's something a lot of us can relate to. Okay. How can you get okay with retiring a dog from a sport that feels unfinished? My dog had a series of series of unfortunate events and has to stay off the dock and rehab, but is one of the last high impact sports she had left due to physical issues. I always felt it was safe until it wasn't. We now we are six months deep into rehab. And while there's improvement, I know it will probably be better for her just to retire, even with legs on the table. Any tips on working through that? We have started in scent work. So replacement sport is in progress. So I think that this is super common and super hard. And I think that part of the reason um, dogs stay in sports maybe longer than they quote should is because this is so hard. It's so hard to let go. It's so hard to leave legs on the table. Uh, It's so hard to walk away from a sport that your dog loves but might not be the best thing for them right now. And um, I talk about this in terms of grief because I think that it is very similar to grief. And it is, you know, we're grieving the loss of goals or we're grieving the loss of, you know, a dog not being able to play a sport that maybe both of us really love. Um, It's grief. It is a form of grief. And the reason I stress that so much is I feel like when we get into grief situations, we're always comparing. We're like, oh, well, I shouldn't be so bummed because at least I still have my dog. Well, okay, but like that's not, this isn't a contest. Like grief is not a contest, right? So I don't want us to feel that way. I want you to feel your feelings and feel the feelings of grief and understand that that is in fact really probably what you're feeling when you have to walk away from something you didn't want to walk away from. And of course, yes, disappointment, frustration, um, general bummed outedness, um, you know, all of those things, they all come into play as well. But you just really have to allow yourself to feel the feelings. And Unfortunately, that's really uncomfortable and nobody really wants to do that, but it is one of those times where the only way out is through. And so the best thing is, well, I shouldn't say the best thing. One of, one thing that I would recommend is to really sit down and journal it out 
and say kind of all the things to paper that you might not even want to say out loud, right? The I like to call it ugly journaling. I'm not I did not invent this and nor did the inventor call it ugly journaling, but basically it's allowing yourself to say all the things that you probably wouldn't say out loud even to your best friend, but the things that you are feeling. And I've talked about this before about doing this, but just say like how frustrated you are, how mad you are, you know, how angry that this was taken, that, you know, this isn't fair, you know, say all the like, almost like put yourself in a four-year-old tantrum and just go from there and get it all out. You know, like I said, say the ugly things, say the things that you really can't say out loud and get that grief process started. Go ahead and get it out because, It is now proven that we hold, you know, trauma, our past, our memories, our experiences, good and bad, in our body, in our cells. There's enough kind of science now behind this to know that if we don't let go of it, it sticks with us, all right? And we will process it eventually, probably when we least expect it. So I think the other thing that comes into play here is... Maybe the hardest F word my clients have have um, issues with, and that is the word forgiveness, okay? And it's forgiveness of yourself for feeling like angry and mad or angry and mad at your dog or angry and mad at the world. Or maybe you have to forgive your dog for, you know, going through this and you feeling kind of bitter about it. Or, you know, maybe you just have to forgive the universe or what, however you think about that, Um for doing this to you or for being unfair or for taking this away or for doing this when the dog still had so much more to go to give that so much more the dog wants to do and wants to give but unfortunately for in this case an injury just really can't do the sport that they love the most and so you know we have to somehow sort through that and and start to be able to forgive ourselves the rehab people, sometimes you have to forgive a surgeon, you know, who wasn't able to save, you know, them or their, um, you know, their physical health in the way that you had hoped. You know, um, I had that a little bit with Trip. you know, his TPLO, you know, it went okay, but it wasn't kind of the saving grace that we hoped it would be, right? And so that's disappointment. And no, I'm not really mad at the surgeon. He did a good job, but like, you know, damn it, like, why wasn't this able to be fixed? Why wasn't this the thing that did the trick, you know? So we get all of these feelings. And in a lot of ways, society tells us like, we're not really allowed to have them or express them or say certain things, right? We're supposed to be grateful and happy and look at the sunny side and, you know, just be happy. You still have your dog and he's able to do other sports or whatever, whatever. And you are, And in this case, I like to say both things can be true. You can be grateful you have your dog. You can be grateful that you're starting scent work or another sport and still be angry, mad, disappointed, frustrated to have to leave a sport that you love when it wasn't your doing, right? And I think that's the other part of it, right? Things out of your control. And nothing kind of gets us spinning faster than things out of our control. And in a lot of cases, this can end up being a trigger for something bigger. You know, sometimes, you know, having something happen to you, right, that it wasn't within your control, or in this case, happening to the dog, and then sort of to you as well, and not being able to finish this title, you know, feels like something happening that's out of your control, right? Well, it is out of your control, right? Whatever happens, 
was not something that you chose, was not something that a situation that you created. It just was out of your control. And sometimes those can be bigger triggers and trigger us in terms of like a fear for like what else is out of our control. And that's why some people go straight to catastrophic thinking. They're like, oh my God, like what, waiting for the other shoe to drop or waiting for something else to go wrong or, oh, well, this means that, you know, trouble happens in threes and now I've got two more things that are going to go wrong or, or yeah, this kind of stuff always happens to me. You know, people like that, you know, people that immediately go to those like dark, woe is me in my family. We always call them Eeyore. (laughs) Um, Those, you know, nobody loves me, you know, kind of those Eeyore spaces. And people immediately go there because they're, if one bad thing happens, they think, oh my God, they're doomed or they're, they're not deserving of good things to happen. And really what it is, is that there is a, a trigger, something ha- could have been, you forgot your umbrella for that matter, right? But it was enough of a trigger that it made you like kind of spiral down this old familiar path. And like I said, your body remembers you, you spend a lot, a lot of time like remembering that or going through a small T or big T trauma. And now that you, now you have this trigger, whenever something happens to you that is out of your control can really send you spiraling. So we want to really understand first, like, how is this all coming up for us, right? What is what is the journaling show? Like when you write it all out, what is it? Are you mad because it was out of your control? Are you mad because something was taken away? Are you mad because, you know, you had goals on the table or unfinished, you know, you had a few legs left on the table and didn't get to finish them? You know, like what is it that is really getting to you the most? Because not all the things are equal. And I think that in our quest to A, not feel terrible and B, you know, to conform to society of like stiff upper lip and all and like look on the sunny side and be grateful for what you have and, you know, all of those things. We tend to then rush by the thing that happens, right? We tend to not process it. And it's probably equal parts of wanting to look at the bright side and really just not wanting to face it and not wanting to think about it and not wanting to be sad and wallow or, you know, live at the bottom of a Ben and Jerry's pint, you know? So it's all of those things, but because it really feels terrible to feel terrible. So the first step is to feel terrible. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Sorry, but that is true, right? To journal it out, to go through it, and to know that it's probably not a one and done thing. You know, like we know about grief. We know that it comes back in waves. It hits us, you know, when we least expect it. Um, we think we're fine. And then all of a sudden we're at like in the middle of a grocery store and something hits us, some memory, some whatever, right? So it's also not a one and done thing. And sorry <laughs> to say that because um, it's not. Um, so those are some of the things I would start with because we need to get to the bottom of what it is first before we can ever think about moving on. Because how do we move? What is the plan to move on if you don't know what it is that's really at the bottom of it? Okay, so let's start there and I'll be right back in a second. Okay, I have a quick question for you. Have you ever thought about coaching? Because one-on-one coaching lets us dive into your specific challenges and create tailored solutions. Because at the end of the day, no one has your exact challenges, and we all know that everyone has different goals. So through coaching, you'll get that breakthrough faster, basically. And I know it's true because I see it in my clients week after week. So if you're ready to take your mental game to the next level, let's chat. Okay, back to the show. 
Okay, so assuming you've done the work, right? Assuming you've given yourself the honor and the respect, yourself, you know, respecting yourself to process it and to really go through it and really sort it out and parse out all the different pieces of this. Um, first of all, I think you're going to be surprised with how many things are bothering you about it, right? I mean, it's complicated, it's complex, there's a lot to it. But also you might be surprised of like, what is at the root of it? You know, maybe you are surprised that, you know, you get to it and it just, it's triggering your, you know, something that happened when you were a kid and you were, you know, felt like out of control or something, or your favorite, you know, your dog as a kid got hurt and something like that. Like, I don't know, I'm making it up, of course, but I think you might be surprised if you really keep digging and you really keep asking yourself, is that all, is that all, is that all? And giving yourself permission to say the ugly thing, you know, do the ugly journaling, knowing that you're going to like burn it, set it on fire, make sure it never sees the light of day. No one else is ever going to read it, et cetera. Okay. So assuming you've done that work, assuming you've got gotten ugly, you know, and done the ugly crying and done whatever else that you need to do. Now let's talk about the moving on. Um, because it is a real thing for those of us who are, Um, Well, there's a lot of aspects of it, right? It's a real thing for those of us who are very goal-oriented to leave legs on the table, (laughs) okay? Um, I've left legs on the table. I've been really bummed about that, Um, having to change sports, you know, know, and I've done the thing where you like look back and you're like, well, maybe, I mean, mathematically, it's possible that I would only have to do this many trials or this many tries, and then we could be done. And so me, I mean, we've done it. We've all done the rationalizing, the trying to figure out if it's possible, the trying to figure out what it would take, you know, could it be done? Um, Maybe, you know, whatever. And I want you to understand that that does not come from a place of you being selfish, because some people will say that, or it doesn't come from a place of you not caring about your dog. No, never, never, never. It comes from a place of you setting goals and wanting things and having had a plan and having the choice to pursue the plan taken away right? Which is why it gets into the grief realm because it was taken from you. It was out of your control and you didn't get the choice to cross that goal off of your list and say, you know what? I changed my mind. You didn't get the choice. Someone made that choice for you. Some thing, some moment, some, some experience made that choice for you. Okay. And we we're goal-oriented people. That's probably why you listen to this podcast. You have goals. You want your better mindset. You want to be able to, you know, be more confident, consistent in the ring, yada, yada. So that's why you're here. You have stuff to accomplish. And when someone takes away your option, your, that freedom to accomplish something, to go for something, that's, that's a big deal. And that hits us in a very specific place, right? Any athlete who has gone through that and can't do their main sport or, you know, get sidelined after, you know, um, in the recent case, after three plays or something, right? Like, you know, it can really be a big deal. All right. So knowing that we have to remember that, yes, you are not selfish for wanting those things. That's the first thing I want to tell you. Um, and you're going to actually, you know, feel some real pangs about that. All right. But I think, you know, the one thing that this person is already doing, which is looking for new sports, you know, looking for scent work, looking for new things to do. I think that is really important because it, 
kind of it helps fill that void of wanting to go to competitions, wanting to be in that environment again, wanting to have new goals and set new th- new things that they can do together, and knowing that their dog loves to work and wants to be doing things. So you do, I think, need to replace the activity. Now, you might not be able to replace it always with something competitive, depending on the injury, the rehab, what you're dealing with, etc. Or maybe, you know, all you guys can do is scent work and neither one of you likes it, <laughs> right? I mean, who's to know? So, but I do think it's important to look for things to do, even if you start getting really into rehab. I knew somebody once, one of my clients once who, you know, through a rehab with her dog, she suddenly got really into it and then ended up pursuing like some massage therapy and some other things and ended up making a business out of it. It just was one of those, you know, those places that took her to this place in life that she never would have gotten to had her dog not gotten hurt, right? Um, You know, I know for myself, I am a much better at conditioning my dogs. I'm much better at paying attention to my dogs and what they're going through because of injuries and surgeries and things that I've had to go through to get to the other side of it. So there is a, there is eventually a sunny side, right? There is something good that will come out of this. There is a pivot or a change or something that will come out of it. But I want to tell you not to rush to that end. I feel like a little bit in this question is like, make me feel better now. (laughs) And some of me says, "Uh, I got to make you feel worse first. And again, that's not the uncomfortable place to be. No one wants to be there. I love that you're trying to find that this person is trying to find a new sport. I think that's really important. I think that when we have dogs who work for a living and are used to the adrenaline and the expending their energy they need, they still need that outlet. So if it can't be a new sport, um, if it needs to be some other type of activity to find that, even if it's maybe not your favorite, but it's something that they can do, I think that's really important. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said for like the ceremony of letting a goal go, goal go, easy for me to say. Um, And even doing the like writing the legs maybe on a piece of paper and burning them and letting them go and making way for something new. You know, you might need um, kind of a ceremony. It's my best word for it, a ritual, whatever, that kind of says, you know what, I'm letting this go and I'm making room for something I don't know that's coming. Or, you know, something, somebody's going to show me something or I'm, you know, going to allow that to come in or whatever. But you do have to finally let it go. Even if you need, you've written it in the back of a beautiful dogged planner (laughs) and you've been title tracking using those fancy little paw prints and you have to rip it out of the planner and so that it's not in your eyesight anymore, then do that. The last thing I would do is for me, you know, every year, and I talk about this when I do goal setting, um, every year I write down all of the goals that I have for my dogs, obviously for the coming year, but I always redo their lifetime goals as well. And I never take any, well, I shouldn't say never take anything off the list. What I mean by that is I always write down even the things they've already accomplished, right? So if I have a lifetime goal for them or a three to five year goal for them and they've already accomplished, I write it down and I check it off. And I do that again and again. So like come January or come December, when I start thinking of of my goals for a trip and Moxie, I'm going to write down all of their lifetime goals and check off the ones that they've already gotten because I want to celebrate always what they've already done. It's a great reminder to see how much your dogs have already done 
even when we are constantly focused on what's next, what's next, what's next. And, you know, when Indy left um, about six weeks ago, I, you know, they definitely left some legs on the table, but, you know, I can look at all the things that she's accomplished and be really proud and happy about that and go, yeah, there are a couple more titles she was so close to, you know, like one she needed one leg for, et cetera. And, um, but, you know, I'm going to celebrate what she did instead. So I think that's really important too. Like, again, a lot of these are perspective shifts, but I think that the reason we can't shift perspective sometimes is, you know, or that it's not sticky, like it doesn't stay, like that perspective doesn't stay shifted. Um, weird, but yeah, is because we didn't do the work to really sort through it in the first place. So unfortunately, no shortcut in this conversation, um, but I do think that there, you will get to a point in celebrating what they've accomplished and turning to some things they can do or, you know, ways that you can make a life with them. You know, I mean, there's a lot of dogs who can't do any sports after, you know, surgeries or rehabs or injuries or something, but like maybe you now do walks in the morning by just the two of you, right? And maybe you carve out special time or maybe you make a point to take them to the favorite, you know, dog store or something like that. And you carve out special time that is just you and them, right? So there's a lot of creative ways to do, creative things to do, creative ways to enjoy your relationship with your dog. Um, And I'm so sorry, you know, every time this happens to people, I'm so sorry. My heart hurts for you and for everyone who's experienced this. Um, But unfortunately, you got to go through it. But then on the other side of it, I think something really great is going to come. And I want to make sure too, that when you take on new sports, you're not bitter about it, right? Like if, for instance, in this case, going on to scent work, I think scent work is a great choice, especially for dogs in rehab or older dogs. I mean, it's amazing, right? That's, you know, low impact. I mean, Indy loved it in her later years. It was fantastic, but you can't go into it with like bitterness about, well, it's not agility or it's not this anymore. Yeah, this is all we can do. Like if you go into it with that, like your, your heart's not into it. So make sure that you are showing up fully for it and having the best of intentions and then you'll get something great out of it you know something something great will come out of it so I hope that helps more than just my person who asked the question but I thank you for asking the amazing great question that is also painful and heart-wrenching sometimes so thank you for sharing that with us and as a reminder in check out the show notes always because there are some links in there including a link to the little form to ask me a question because I love it. Bring it. And also just check out the show notes in general because there's some great stuff in there. As always, no matter what you are up to this week, I hope you have a fantastic week with your dog. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.